All right, today I'm so excited to speak with Dr. Carl Elliott. He is a tech career coach, and even more than that, also like some really cool stars as well. So this guy for 10 plus, about how many years you've been coaching and doing, being successful, and now you're going to share all your secrets. So yes. welcome to the show, Dr. Kyle. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here speaking with you and the audience about tech, mental health. We have a lot of cool topics lined up for today. The first thing we got to talk about, I was you know, looking through your activity on LinkedIn and you said something about how to, and I'm going to probably mess it up, but something, how to achieve your own fabulousness. And that like struck me as like, that is so awesome. So what do you mean by that? How do people reach peak fabulousness? So I primarily work with job seekers in tech and everyone wants to be in tech right now. We have all these big tech layoffs and my job is to help people figure out what's unique and different about them. So I like helping people figure that out. I call it your fabulousness. What's unique and different about you compared to everyone else? And one way I like helping people do that is going back to their childhood. What, before we had the mask of society or career expectations on us, what lit you up? What did you enjoy? What did people notice about you? For me, it was teaching. I would teach my stuffed animals. It was fifth grade, I think. I asked for a whiteboard for Christmas and a for lesson planner. I would literally create worksheets for my parents. And now today, 25 years later, I teach people how to find jobs. So that teaching theme has been there all along. So I encourage people to figure out what was it back then that lit you up? And how can you leverage that now in your career? That makes so much sense. So that you would suggest to people, you know, who either your clients or people who are watching now or watching the future, tap into kind of your early days and what did you really get excited about? What was your passion? Is that is that right? Exactly. Why? What was exciting? What lit you up? What did other people notice about you? Maybe you don't remember your childhood that much, but what did other people notice about you as well? Another thing for me was helping. So I loved helping. I wanted to be a veterinarian. I wanted to be a sign language teacher. I wanted to be a lawyer. It was all this helping. And then I also asked a million questions. Okay, why is the sign on the side of the road green? Why is it in kilometers and miles? All these questions. And now as a career coach, I literally get paid to ask people questions. Growing up, I said, I want to get paid to just drink coffee and <laughs> tell people what to do. And I think the closest thing I found is being a career coach. So when you say ask questions, is that when you sit down with somebody and let, let's say in the tech sector, software engineer, software developer, would you first ask them like, hey, what, just like we talked about, like what you thought of as a kid and then kind of work from there? Yeah, so that's one way I like starting is tell me about your childhood. What lit you up? What was special about you? What did you love? And then I like going on the opposite end. What's your long-term goals? What are your dreams? What's your North Star? And working backwards as well. So some people like looking at the past and then saying, how does that relate to now? And then other people, it's more the future. What's long-term? And then how do we work backwards and create a career that allows you to move? toward that. So maybe you want to move to Europe in the future. Maybe you want to create a business. How do we then find jobs that allow you to move to Europe to create a business? Maybe you want more money. How do we then move toward that future? Now, do most people know what they want to do? Or do a lot of people come to you 
and they're like, hey, I'm just not happy with what I'm doing. And I've been doing, you know, X, Y, Z for the last five, 10, 15 years. And I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. Is that is that a common thing that also happens where you don't know your North Star and you don't know like what you want to do? There's usually two buckets. There's a bucket like mm -hmm. I want to be a program director at Meta. I know exactly what I want to do. And then the other group is like, I've been in my career 10, 15, 20 years. I have all this experience and I don't love it. I want something new. Maybe I make a lot of money, 250, 300, $500,000, but I'm not happy and I want something new. So I work with a lot of people who are in that bucket. And when you have a long career, you can't just start over sometimes. I mean, you might be able to, but a lot of people don't want to just throw away all those skills and money and start over. So I like to work with those people and figure out what is that long-term goal and what's the job market saying? So maybe you work in finance. You can't just switch all the way to marketing. Is there something in between the two that you can do? Maybe RevOps or something that's in between the two that would make sense for you as well. You know, I really like that you said that, Kyle, because oftentimes you'll hear people give advice, family, friends, what have you. And with the best of intentions, they'll say, yeah, if you hate your job, go and do fill in the blank. And it's not so easy. You really have to hear, okay, I might have certain skills, but what about the comp? I'm paid a certain amount of money. And if I move over and I'm going to go to a quarter of it, I still have to pay my mortgage and high inflation. So it sounds like you have a realistic, and I, I like this a lot, a realistic mindset of like, okay, if we want to change and we want to pivot or reinvent yourself, let's figure out how to do it and not just say, oh, okay, we're going to do it. Yeah, I think it's fun to follow your passion and we have to be yeah. pragmatic and say, what's the job market saying? What are your salary requirements? Where do you live? Think of all of those things as well. I think of it like a big Venn diagram, okay? What are your skills? What's the job market? What are your salary requirements? And then people tend to have a lot of circles, a lot of requirements. There's a lot of factors. And my job as a career coach is to say, okay, we have all these circles. What's in the middle of those 10 or 20 or 30 circles? And then maybe you have too many circles and we have to remove some of them. So then we can maybe broaden where the overlap is between all those different things you want in your career. You know, I've noticed, uh, in addition to doing these LinkedIn Lives, I co-host a podcast uh, called the Blind Ambition Podcast you know, with my buddy, Rick Chen, right? And we talk a lot about things that relate to the tech sector. And one thing that always amazes me is that on the platform, if you've ever, you know, I think you, you mentioned you're aware of it, you'll have people, young people, you know, mid twenties, you know, maybe 30 ish who are making two, three, four, five, six, seven, 800,000 a year. And they're unhappy mm -hmm. and they feel they're being kind of maybe shortchanged or cheated or gosh, I should have been working at meta instead of whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think to the average person who looks and goes, wait a minute, you're doing phenomenally well mm -hmm. by like, just let's take US standards. You're doing like, great, you're killing it. But yet they're like very disappointed and kind of angry. Yeah, if you would have people come to you, what, like, what would you say to them? Because it's an interesting, is it because they're in a bubble or what have you? I'd be really curious your thoughts on it. Yeah, so if you're not like even able to meet your basic standards of living, that's just unrealistic. And you're like, okay, you're making a lot of money, don't complain. However, right. 
for those people, when you're in that situation of making a lot of money, it can be really challenging. You have these golden handcuffs where you say, I make a lot of money and I'm still not happy. So what I like right. doing is saying, what's most important to you in your job? I like separating it into a few categories. What do you need in your next job? What's like a requirement? What do you want? What's a preference in your next job? What don't you want? The similar is a preference to an opposite. And then what can't you have? What's a deal breaker? And a lot of people will start mapping that out. They'll say, I need to be happy in my next job. I need to make a certain amount of money. And then we'll compare that to their current job and they realize it doesn't line up. Mm -hmm. What happens is people will start with their current job, map it all out, and then say, oh, this job doesn't align. And I instead encourage people to say, here's everything I want and then compare it to their job instead. Because people will then just kind of make their current job fit. But when people step back and say, what do I actually want? They realize their current job often isn't it. So I encourage people instead of just being complacent to say, what's actually really important to me? And that can be helpful. But then going back to what we said before, it's also important to be realistic of the job market. And if you're making six, seven, eight hundred thousand in engineering, you might not be able to just switch to another job that has better work-life balance and not give up some of that money. This is gonna sound really harsh on my part, but is there some value sometimes? You know, not let's say not put yourself out of the equation, but just for somebody to say to that person, dude, ma'am, this is crazy. You're doing super well. I know you don't love it, you're unhappy. But just while you have the chance to be making this money, just do it. Just do it because life is short. You don't know what's going to happen in the future. Look what happened with Google. Like I spoke to Kyle, so many people who were laid off after 20 years. So like you can't depend that this can go on forever. So just yeah. take, you know what I mean? Keep doing it. Now, is that harsh to say to somebody? Or do you think that's maybe a realistic, like it's not maybe not the right answer, but just one way to view it? And reframe it like hey. I don't think it's harsh but I think yeah. going back to kind of that list of what's yeah. important I like asking people what is important to you is it the salary is it work-life balance is it liking your job and I've had some clients where at the very top of their list will rank all these items money is most important so they're like okay I'll compromise liking my job and for other people it's no I really need to like my job I'll compromise on money so for people listening I would write that out and write out here's what's most important to me and then compare it to your job. For me, for example, the number of hours I work is really important. So I'll give up taking on more clients, making more money, because I don't want to work more than 30, 40 hours a week. For other people, they're like, no, I could make more money. I'm going to work more hours. So I think it's really that individual person what's most important to them. Is it the money? Is it spending time with family? What's most important to you? And I think that would kind of answer my question or answer yeah. the question you posed. Have you noticed, because you've been doing this, you know, decade plus, so pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, have you seen a change in mindset of your clients that maybe before the pandemic, they were, you know, hustle porn, you know, like back, it's so, it seems so ancient now, like 2019, 2018, but you know, like wake up at four in the morning and crush it and go to the gym and do this. Now it doesn't feel that way, right? It seems mm -hmm. I want to value my time. I want remote mm. work, the very least, you know, hybrid because I want to be with my family and friends and hobbies. Have you seen that with your clients where it's a shift saying, okay, you know, we talked about people who just want the money, but just, hey, I just want a life. 
Yes, I'm seeing a lot of that. People yeah. want more of a life these last few years. I think before the pandemic, I was seeing more of that. There was more of this conversation around mental health and work-life, quote-unquote, balance or integration or harmony. But especially the pandemic introduced people to more of, there's more to life than just your work, than just your career. People are dying in these astronomical numbers. So people recognize there's more than just work. And I think that was a shift I've seen, especially among my tech clients that were used to working 60, 70, 80 hours per week. People recognized, oh, I want to be more than my job. And that was a huge shift I've seen. I have a lot more clients reaching out now saying, I have a job and I just can't leave it. I'm working so many hours. I can't leave work at work. And I've, the last few years, seen more of that. And it leads to, and you brought up mental health. and. Uh, my opinion, but I, I think this, most people might feel this way. Like you just, whether you're on social media, you're at any event, people are just like nuts lately. I mean, they're just, you know, I can't remember a time and I'm kind of old now. I can't remember a time when people were just so stressed and angst driven and anxiety ridden and, and just pray like, like, like watch any, if you go like on, on, you know, uh, Twitter now X, or TikTok, like within seconds, you're going to see a fight. You're going to see a brawl. You're going to see something up. And granted, that's not the real world. Like you're going to see what, but that's happening. And and even what's like what's going on with this mental health crisis? This seems out of control. As a PhD, I'm sure like you looked into it, you researched it. Yeah. You know, is it just my imagination, or is this really a thing that's no. really bad? Yeah, I wrote my doctoral dissertation on mental health, mm -hmm. um, specifically among college students and their experiences around mental health. And we're seeing increases in people being diagnosed with mental health conditions. Part of it is increased stress. And then part of it is a normalization around mental health and people accessing care. But I find some of it is there's this normalization that people think it's okay to treat people poorly. Um, in our last... Um, President, I think, made it seem okay that people could say negative things publicly and there was no repercussions. So I think that was part of it too. I don't want to go too political, but I think that was part of it. People think it's okay to treat people poorly, to say negative things. And I think that's a large part of it. And I think there's more stress around the pandemic, unemployment, increased cost of living. All these added stressors as well are really challenging for people as well. And people don't know how to manage it. We don't talk enough about mental health. People have this stress and this anxiety and they don't know how to manage it in a healthy and effective way. So, so um, yeah, I'm glad we're opening this conversation up. Well, first of all, and don't laugh at me about that. How would you, you know, you, you know, sometimes people like myself, you get a, you throw a term mental health, right? And then you start yeah. thinking like, all right, what exactly is like mental health? <laughs> when you're talking about, so what are, you know, yeah, what's like behind it? It's like, a, 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 you know, you send it out there, mental, oh, mental health. How do you break it down, Kyle? Like what, what issues is it? Like anxiety? What, what's like from a professional's yeah. point of view? Like what's this all about and what should we know and how can we overcome it? So everyone has mental health. Every single okay. human has a mind and the <laughs> mental health is the health of our mind. So just like you have your whole body, your mind, your brain has health. 
-hmm. And for us, it's how do you manage the health of your mind? And for everyone, it's different. But you want to think of what emotions or feelings come up in my mind and how am I managing or attending to those? So if your stomach hurts, for example, you might tend to your stomach and say, okay, I'm going to take or drink some ginger ale, for example. And I'm not a doctor in a physical way. So this is all just anecdotal. Right. But I might have some ginger ale or some Tums or Pepto-Bismol. And then when our mind is hurting, maybe we're sad or anxious or angry, oftentimes we haven't learned how to cope with that. We haven't learned, or sometimes in unhealthy ways, we've learned how to cope with that. Okay, I'm going to yell, or I'm going to take it out on someone, but we haven't learned how to cope in healthier ways with that. Or some of the ways we've learned to cope, like going to therapy are stigmatized. Ooh, if you go to therapy, you're crazy. So my job, something I think is important is to teach people, here's how to better cope with the health of your mind and those right. emotions and those feelings. So what would you do? Like, how, I guess it depends on the person, what they're going through, but are there any kind of idea, any kind of tips you could give people who are having trouble with mental health, their emotional well-being, spiritually, you know, just, just not feeling, yeah. the, just, they just want to feel better and happier. I would see what's causing it. So let's say you always get a stomach ache after drinking milk. You probably want to stop drinking milk or take a lactate <laughs> to stop it from happening. So if you keep getting a headache at work, or if you keep getting angry at work, we want to see what's causing that headache at work. What's causing you to get angry at work? And can we treat that? And if you can't treat it, can we at least manage it? Take that lactate after. And that lactate for your mind might be going to therapy working with a coach, having a mentor you can go to. And I find it a little easier. If you think of your brain, like you think of your stomach, it's like, oh, this makes sense. It's not anything weird. It's just if I had a stomach ache, I'd address it. So if I have a headache or I'm anxious in my mind or stress, let me address that. And just like you have to get used to, oh, what's going on with my stomach? Is it nauseous? Is it upset? Is it bloated? The same goes on with your mind. Is it stressed? Is it angry? Is it feeling foggy or confused? And start paying attention and seeing what's coming up and then just saying, oh, what would be helpful right now for my mind? So that makes a lot of sense. So, because what you're saying in essence is basically if let's say you're an athlete and you know, just your, your, your knee is hurting, your ankle is hurting or what have you, you can tend to it. Say, hey, what do I need to do to fix it? Maybe I got to go to the doctor. Maybe I go to therapy, what have you, and take same thing with your mental health. You have to acknowledge, hey, I'm going through something. I'm not exactly sure what it is. Just like, I don't know if my ankle is whatever, but I know something's up. And yep. before it's too late, let's take a look at it. So what, maybe to go back to like the beginning of the conversation, when you were saying, hey, what did you want to be? Or what did you like when you were a kid? Do you have to go back to like, as a kid to see was there any trauma or anything that you've had that maybe you've never dealt with? And now you're 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, and you're still harboring that and it's still there. Does that, does that make sense or is that yeah, weird? Or? No, that does. Um, yeah. I'm not a therapist, so I always try and be right. mindful of going too far okay. in the 
Personally, what's been helpful is therapy, though. I just celebrated 11 years in therapy. So I found it helpful going into the past and saying, here's some things that might trigger my anxiety now. And then as a coach, what I like doing with clients is focusing on the here and now. What would be helpful right now? Is it doing some journaling? I'm a huge writer. For those of you who follow, I write on Forbes, different places. So I love writing and saying, here's something that would be helpful now. Let me share my journey. Let me talk about this. And then looking forward, okay, what do I need to move forward and what would comfort me now? So if that ankle, okay, maybe ice would be helpful right now. Okay, for my mental health, it might be helpful to talk about what's going on, to journal and finding those things that would be helpful in the moment to soothe it as well, just like you would soothe your ankle or your knee or your stomach. This is great. I like where this is going. So would you say, well, to, to take a step back a little bit, Mm-hmm. how do you spot it? Like, for instance, I'll get, and I'm sure most people do, hopefully I'm not the only one, you get those ruminations, right? Like something mm-hmm. gets in your head, just like with music, right? You hear a song in your earworm and you just keep hearing it, yep. even if you don't want to hear it. So it's like, you just get these thoughts, right? And it's like your monkey brain and you gotta like stop it, but sometimes you can't stop it. Um, mm-hmm. You can have people who are anxious. And like, for instance, one of the things, uh, you know, Vice President Kamala Harris was saying that, uh, a lot of young people, Gen Zs and maybe younger millennials, aren't getting married or starting families or buying homes because they're anxious and worried about the climate. So there's like a lot of different things that people are concerned about. Are there some basic stuff that you've noticed, you know, in your educational background and you know that part of you know your PhD, as well as speaking with um, you know your clients? Are there certain like things that you do see commonly, like the rumination, or are there like a handful of things that maybe we could talk about and like, you know, knock them out one, two, three, say, hey, here's some journaling, manifestation, affirmations, whatever it may be, meditation, yoga, and maybe kind of for people, because I think personally, everybody goes through to a certain degree. Oh, yes. You know, it could be what, you know, on one side of the spectrum, all the way to the other. So are there certain things that you feel are pretty common so people can relax and say, oh, this is common. All right, cool, yeah. I feel better. The ruminations are common and then people try mm-hmm. and ignore it and push it away. But what yeah. happens if you say, I don't want to think about this, you're still thinking about it. So it's important to address it and that journaling right. can be helpful. I'm a huge fan of free association writing. So grabbing a legal pad, a piece of paper, you can grab your phone and say, I'm just going to go and write a about this. Here's everything I'm feeling and just getting it out because we try and ignore it. And instead, just addressing it can be really helpful and writing about it and validating it can be really helpful. With that, I also like separating facts from feelings. So if you have something going on around the climate change, if it's um, around finances, it's common for a lot of people, your career Getting, again, a legal pad or a piece of paper on one side saying, here's the facts. Here's the exact facts of the situation. My boss emailed me saying he, she, they wanted to meet. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, putting your feelings. I feel like they might fire me and I'm worried about it. The fact, I had just got all threes out of threes on my performance of evaluation. Feeling I'm still nervous. And separating those two can be helpful. And clients find that really validating to say, here's the fact, but I'm still addressing and validating my feelings. 
then what happens the next step? So, so let's say you write it down you, in a way that's getting it off your chest. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, I guess by writing it down, you're just, just, it's like a work product. Like in the morning, they say, eat the frog first, like do the worst yeah. thing, get it over with. Right. So you get it over, put it down and there's this kind of relief. And then it seems like by putting the facts and what's happening makes you crystallize what's really going on and say, okay, here are the facts. All right. The world isn't coming to an end. All right, maybe there's problems with the climate, but I don't think it's going to happen tomorrow. So yep. maybe there's not, you know, maybe that's an ex- I'm making that excuse because I'm not getting married and I should, mm-hmm. whatever the case may be, or I was scared to buy the house and I'm using this as an excuse. So I, I guess by putting it down on paper makes you really just focus on what the issues are and what's the reality. Is it that you're scared to propose? You're scared to start a family, you're scared to buy a home. And those are because those are big things to be scared of yeah. legitimately. Or are the facts like, uh oh, maybe we are. <laughs> is this real? Is this a real and present yeah. danger? And then maybe, okay, you're right to be freaked out and to have yeah. a in that kind of criticizing. What other things do you see? Like what other stuff that like is pretty commonplace that pops up that we could give some advice to people? uncertainty people not knowing what's next yes i don't know if i'm going to land this job this recruiter has yes. i mean and i find again those facts and feelings can be really helpful and then also tapping into the present moment i just finished a mindfulness for educators program i really thought i struggled with meditation and mindfulness and then i was able to change my definition or what I thought mindfulness was. So mindfulness isn't clearing your mind, Mm -hmm. but instead just moving from your mind to your body and being present in the moment. So just taking some breaths and being present in the moment was really helpful for me when I started saying, oh, what's going to happen here? Oh, is this client going to get back to me? And then with clients, when they worry, is the recruiter going to get back to me? Am I going to get this job offer? All these things saying, okay, let me focus on this present moment and take some breaths can be really helpful. Not even focus on clearing my mind, but just being present in this moment can be really helpful to manage that stress, that anxiety, that overwhelm. You know, Kyle, you're so on topic, you're so on target because as a recruiter, you know, running a search firm for like 25 years, I can't tell you how destructive it is for people who go through interviews, particularly, you know, in this period now, it just devastates people because you, you, there's uncertainty, as you pointed out earlier, high inflation, high interest rates, the economy is iffy, worries about a recession, you know, and you can just keep pouring it on, right? And those are facts. So it's scary. Yeah. And then when you're interviewing, you go, let's say on LinkedIn or any job board and you see, you know, 500 people applied. 2000 applied. You're like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? And it really messes with you. Or you go and you interview two, two, three, four, five, six, seven times. I'm not exaggerating. And then you don't even hear back. You get ghosted. Um, You get no feedback, no constructive criticism. And it just, it really devastates people. Mm -hmm. Now what, like, see, now this is a real thing. And now you're worried, am I ever going to get a job again? Um, or can I, you know, I spent X amount of money for tuition and how do I pay that back? And then I, I can't get a job to feel like, so these are real stuff. Like, how do you, 
any like there's I know you, you're not a miracle worker so like you can't no. get like you're like, hey no. this is all better but any any thoughts just to at least get through some something else I find hopeful is the worst case scenario and a lot okay. of people are aware of asking the worst case scenario but actually writing it all down and saying mm -hmm. okay let's say I don't hear back from this company then what okay let's say we go six months and me not getting a job what happens and actually walking through all that can be helpful for me that's helpful sometimes I stress about money and saying okay what are all my credit card limits and one time when I was really stressed about money I literally mm -hmm. contacted my bank and increased the credit card limits on all my cards and then I was like, okay, how much is in my retirement? And I went through and did all the worst case scenarios. And I said, I would have to go years without getting clients before I even had to move out of my place. Okay, then I could go live with my parents. Then I texted all my friends and I was like, okay, all these friends said I could live with them. <laughs> so going through all the worst case scenarios and literally writing it out, I've had clients say, okay, I'd have to go 170 years of not getting a job. <laughs> before I'd even be homeless. So writing out all those worst case scenarios can be really helpful and feed that kind of monkey mind that's going, oh my gosh, what if, what if, what if. Go down that rabbit hole can be really helpful and literally write out every worst case scenario can be really helpful. And clients realize, okay, the worst case scenario is I'm in the exact same situation. Almost every single time, the worst case scenario is you stay exactly where you are. You know, I love that. That's great advice because if you break it down, most people say, all right, I still have my family. I still have my friends. The people who love me will still love me if I don't get this job. You know, I still have my dog and cat or whatever it may be. And then you start breaking out. Okay. And so if I don't get this job, all right, I'll try again. Maybe I'll just take a couple of days off from the job search just to relax and just, just change my mindset for a little bit. And and then just really kind of look through that lens, not just, damn it, I didn't get that job again. Damn it, I got, you know, ghosted again. Instead of just focusing and ruminating on that, like, all right, so I didn't get it. All right, it's okay to be disappointed and, and, and bummed, but, you know, the sun's still shining, you know, I'm still here, you know, people still love me and that, right? And then just, just balance it and try to kind of, it's almost like talk yourself back off the ledge. Yeah. You know, does that does that make sense? Exactly, exactly. And going through all that can be really helpful. And then also going through the best case scenario and saying, okay, what can happen? How can all this work out? And starting to manifest all that as well and saying, here's all the steps. Here's the best case scenario. But with manifestation, it's not just saying, okay, I land a job. I often encourage clients to say, okay, I landed a job. Let's say a meta. Okay, what were all the steps to get there and writing it all out and saying, okay, who's the hiring manager? What was your interview like? When did you reach out to them? What did you say on writing all those steps down and putting a plan into action can be helpful as well. All right. So when you say manifestation for people who are not familiar with it, and to be fair, I'm familiar with the concept, but I don't know if I really understand it. Like what is manifestation and does it work? So some people think of manifestation, you just say something and it turns into reality. When I think of manifestation, I say, here's some idea I have. Let me write out everything to make that happen. So for example, I moved to Santa Barbara a few years ago with my partner for his new job. So for me, that manifestation was, okay, we live in Santa Barbara. JV got a new job here and actually writing out all those steps. Here's where he found the new job. Here's where our new house is. 
before it happened. So six months before it happens, I wrote out as if it had already happened and all the steps. And then when I was stuck places, I then filled in the details. Okay, let me go figure out how much rent is in Santa Barbara. Okay, how much does it cost to move there? And starting to write all that out. So then this idea can start turning into a reality and you can fill in the blanks. Because a lot of people will have an idea, but filling in all those details can help turn that idea into that reality. And that's what I think of with manifestation. I'm a really logical, pragmatic person. So I'm not just like, I'm going to have a new job with a client, but I want them to actually write out all the steps to turn it into reality. Can I run this by you? Tell me if this is kind of sort of a manifestation. I think it yeah. is. And I'll share a, a personal anecdote. So recruiters, there's kind of a inside joke that like no one aspires to be a recruiter. You know, it's not like when you're little, you talk about in the past with little, I want to be, you know, an astronaut or fireman, a cowboy, whatever. But no one ever says, oh, I want to be a recruiter. Nothing. Mm -hmm. So you fall into it. And usually the way you fall into it is you try two, three, four different careers, maybe you go for an MBA, maybe you go for a little, like things that just don't work and you just somehow just fall into it. And, you know, some recruiters who were listening to this can get mad at me, but a lot of them give you nodding their head. Yep, yep, that's me. That's what happened. Yeah. So I was one of those, right? I've tried a whole bunch of different things and I just failed sometimes miserably, horribly, embarrassingly. Some just, just, just <laughs> failed, you know? And then <clears throat> I kind of stumbled into recruiting and I was so tired of not doing well that I was like, I don't care. I got to do well. And dude, I'm not exaggerating. I, I don't even know. Like, I didn't even consciously do this. My mind, and don't, don't mock me, man. Like my mind was starting to say, okay, I'm going to make a certain amount of money and I'm going to do, make a certain amount of placements. And it was, it was like, we talked earlier about rumination with negative thoughts. Yeah. The positive thoughts were constantly rotating my mind. And it was really, yeah. dude, and I wasn't even thinking, like I wasn't consciously putting it out there. Saying, yeah. It wasn't like I was talking to myself to do it. It was just like running on a loop. And it was the weirdest thing. And it would work and work and work and work. And like, I, it, it was just so bizarre. And I really didn't tell anybody because I felt all right. Maybe it'll break the cycle by talking to anybody. Yeah. So I just always kept it to myself because it's like, this is so odd. Yes. And, and, it and, it, and it worked for years, for years. It was the craziest thing, you know, because like I said, here's what I want to do. I wanted to build a business. You know, I wanted to have a certain amount of income so I, I, I could take the pressure off and, you know, have kids and a family and all that kind of stuff. And, and it just, it just like, it manifests itself and it happened. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, that sounds exactly <laughs> like manifestation. You have this idea and then you start planting those seeds and putting it out there. Is that also because maybe you you really want to do something and you need something to do it and then you just like all in and then you just, yeah. all right, that's it. And then you get a little success and that little success gets you motivated to do something more and then you do more and you get more success and then it's self-fulfilling. So maybe the way it is kind of logical for that to work. Yeah. Because it just keeps, you keep, you know, picking up victories along the way. And then you get more confidence, more confidence, more confidence. And, yeah. and, and you make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. And then the ball just keeps rolling and rolling and rolling. But what about affirmations? Is that another, is that a little different? 
I think that's similar in a way, because sometimes people say affirmations that they already believe, and other people say affirmations that they want to start believing and internalizing. And I think part of that is internalizing and saying, okay, here's something that I want to believe, or I somewhat believe, let me repeat it to start internalizing mm -hmm. it and having that go deeper into my soul or my heart or who I am. Now, when you when you work with your clients, do you talk about these things or or this is separate from your kind of PhD kind of background? Oh, no, I talk about these yeah. a lot with a client. Yeah. I mean, what I find sets me apart from a lot of coaches is it's really customized. Each client's so unique. I mostly work with senior managers and executives in tech. So their careers are so unique and different compared to an entry level or early career professional. Right. So each person's career and job search is so unique. We're customizing it. But a lot of these topics come up with people. And oftentimes executives think, I'm so unique, but really the confidence, the imposter yeah. syndrome, the ruminations, the mental health, all of that comes up with most people. And then and then I take it for each one, you let's say imposter syndrome, you would maybe do the same thing that you described before. Like, okay, let's sit down paper and pencil. And I like how it's old school. Like, all right, we're not putting it on, you know, a yes. computer. Because I do find something when you write it down, it's different. So you're writing it down like, okay, I feel imposter syndrome. Why do I feel this way? And then maybe I would imagine then you would speak to that senior executive, you know, tech professional say, wait, let's look through it. You went to this university and you did yep. really well and you got this job. Look how well you did. And, and then you just walk it through to say, wait, no, like you're not an imposter. You deserve this. Yeah. But it takes time to that repetition yeah. saying, here's the facts, but maybe I don't in haven't internalized them. And it takes practice and repetition and those affirmations to start internalizing that. And that's one of the steps to combat in, uh, imposter syndrome is to start internalizing and practicing saying it and saying, okay, here is that fact that's out there. Let me start believing it and mm -hmm. counteracting that experience of imposter syndrome. Now, Kyle, is, I know you mentioned you've been in therapy for a number of years. Is career coaching similar in that, let's say you, you're coaching this example you gave about you know, imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. Do you need that person or do you think it makes sense to have that person come back on a fairly regular basis, you know, not just to get, you know, more money, but just to come back because it's easy to just fall off again and you need that constant, you know, reassurance. What, what do you think? Is that important? Not important? I think it depends on what you're in coaching for. I right. think sometimes people just come to coaching for, I want to figure out what I want to do for a living. And then that might be something short term where we focus on that or, oh, I want to work on my resume or LinkedIn or prepping for this interview. And it's kind of one and done. And then other people, it's more long term. How do I improve my communication skills or confidence? I work with a lot of leaders who are trying to get to that next level. So we work more long term. So it really depends, similar to therapy, some people come to therapy for a phobia or something short term, while other people, it's more long term, continuing to work right. on something. So coaching similar, creating that program and that cadence, depending on what you're working on. And then sometimes you solve that challenge. What do I want to be when I grow up? We answer that. And then now something new pops up when we get to start working on that as well. And do you find that people maybe a year, two years, five years have come back again and say, hey, you know, I was doing great. 
it's almost like someone who takes a drink again, who's, you know, sober. I, all right, I need your help. Is this common also? Does this happen? That happens. And then sometimes mm. it's new stuff too. Like I got to right. this new level, like an athlete. Mm. And then right. now I keep growing. So I find the higher people get, right. there's actually more new challenges that arrive that are exciting. Ooh, Kyle, you helped me get my first executive role. Whoa, now there's new topics, new challenges that come up. <laughs> so it's not like you don't need coaching. Actually, right. the more you grow in your career, the more opportunities there is for coaching because more challenges <clears throat> and opportunities arise, which I think is exciting because also there's more... And I use this term lightly, competition, just people, the higher you get, people are just more fabulous and amazing. So it's <laughs> how do you collaborate with your with them and set yourself apart if you're looking for a new role or a promotion? All right, this is gonna be a weird question. You're such a nice guy and you come across so, you know, measured, what have you. When you deal with these senior executives, do they try to be like, are they like coming on all like, hey, Kyle, come on, give me this. <laughs> or, 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 or they kind of get your vibe and then they chill out and they're able to just kind of take off that CEO hat and just be a human being. Is that, does that, is that take a challenge to yes. get that? Yeah. Yeah, that happens. Sometimes mm -hmm. people aren't used to the humanity, especially yeah. when people are climbing Oftentimes we start our careers as managers, doing the administrative, doing the kind of stick approach. And then as we grow, you have to become more of a leader, doing more of the carrot and being more vulnerable. And it's hard for a lot of people to be vulnerable, to share more of yourself. So it can be challenging for people, especially in a coaching environment where you wanna be vulnerable, where you wanna expose, here's what I'm struggling with. It can be hard for a lot of people, mm especially in tech, where I specialize, we're not used to saying, here's where I messed up, Kyle, and I need help can be really challenging. So it's fun for me, but I'll see these executives and be that space where maybe they have nowhere else to talk about these challenges. Now, are there any initiatives, any new projects you're working on or anything that you anything that maybe I didn't ask you, but you'd like do you think is really cool and you like to share with the audience? I think going back to the mental health, I know we talked about it a bit, but to know if you have these ruminations, anxiety, stress, overwhelm, right. it's normal. Again, everyone with a brain has mental health. So if any of this is popping up for you around mental health, struggling in your career, know that you're not alone. It's normal and typical. And you're just like every other human on earth is really helpful. And I wish I would have heard that sooner. Right, because you think it's just me, right? You think it's like, I'm the only one going through this because especially turn back the clock 10, 20 years ago, mm -hmm. no one talked about it. So like if you had some mental health issues, you didn't bring it up mm -hmm. and you had to keep it to yourself. So now like, you know, they talk about it. So it makes it, you know, easier, you know, relatively easier now. Um, would you, would you suggest that someone go right to therapy, you know, in terms, if they're going through this, like, what would be the point that you say, Hey, I'm a career coach, but Jack, I think, I think you need to see somebody. Yeah. Does, that, does that happen? I think of it as an overlap. There's a Venn diagram between coaching and yeah. therapy and there are similarities and differences. So often a lot of my clients will find it helpful to do both therapy and coaching and then kind of get some support and coaching, get some 
support and therapy, and kind of tag team the two can be helpful. There are cultural reasons, various backgrounds or beliefs around why people may prefer one or the other. So I never try and push people to therapy before they're ready, but it can be helpful for a lot of people to do both of them and they can complement each other really well. And and if, if you don't mind, just like one last maybe yeah. thread we could talk about, because I, to me, and again, I, I'm maybe I just observed this, that a lot of the like anxiety, anger, pressure, stress that's out in the world, out on social media is permeated into the job market, into the workplace. And you just see, and you talked earlier about people just being rude to each other. Mm-hmm. And that's what's happening a lot, I notice, in terms of not only in the real world, but let's say in the workplace where, let's be frank, you go to certain places, let's just say retail, and you can see some people just couldn't care less about what they're doing. They're kind of rude to the customer, the customer's rude to them. And it's just, it's just in a really bad space. How do, like, how, how does that change? Does that, or this, this is the new world we're in now? We recently had a really horrible driver, um, an Uber driver. And then I looked at my mom and I was like, shared humanity. It was a phrase I learned from this meditation class I just took. And she's like, yep. And I was so annoyed. I just wanted to go off on this person, but I didn't. Because everything you can think of like that makes a horrible driver, like honking, cutting people off, like get us walk like half a mile to meet them, like everything you can think of. And then I was like, shared humanity, we're all human going through stuff. Maybe this person had a bad day, maybe their cat died, I don't know. But like remembering we're all human can be super helpful. And I was like, you know what, like we're human. Like I live in the US, I have a good job, I have a roof over my head, I have food. This person's picking me up from the airport after I just got back from Mexico. Like at the end of the day, this is a human, I'm a human. It's okay. And that's really been helpful for me to remember. Like we're all humans. And that's something that's really allowed me to calm down because patience for three years in a row was my New Year's resolution. Um, So that allowed me to just be calm in the moment. You know what? That's such sage advice. It really is because it's so easy. And a lot of people just then jump to the extreme and then it just gets escalated and it it, it just never ends well. Mm-hmm. And to just look at the other person and say, I have no idea what this person's going through. Mm-hmm. You know, all right, they're being a jerk to me, but maybe, yeah, they had a fight with their spouse, with their kids, they went through a divorce, they, you know, lost their job. You don't really know what's going on there. So maybe give some some, you know, some patience to them and some mm-hmm. support, or even like ask them, you know, like, have you ever done this? Like you just asking when someone's doing really something really mean or rotten or whatever, and just looking at it and, and not being a jerk, but saying, are you okay? Are mm-hmm. you, are you all right? Like, this isn't you. What's, what's, what's no. going on? Do you want to talk? Because it's, because you realize something's wrong. I don't want to get into a fight with them, but you want to realize something's up. Yeah. I think it's the world would be a better place if we did that, right? Like have that. All right. I, I'm going to give patience. What, what did you call? What was the term you used? Um, shared humanity. Shared humanity. Yeah, so I like that. Fabulousness and shared humanity. I'm coming off a, a, a couple of good tips. So 
speaking of shared humanity, it seems like you had like one big therapy session for everyone's watching here. Now, I don't know if you can send an invoice to everybody for a co combination of career coach advice and therapy. And I know you don't want to do therapy because like whatever, you know, but uh, yeah, so maybe send an invoice to everybody who's watching this for, you know, that therapy session, including myself, and plus, <laughs> plus, you know, the career coaching session. So uh, but I really appreciate you taking the time. And, and, and I'm so glad we had this conversation because think about like, usually when there's these career things, it's how to find a job, how to network, how to, you know, write a resume. But to me, this, like what you're talking about is like, more important because you have to have that mindset you have you know what i mean you have to be in the right head yeah. to make these things happen because if you're not I, you're not going to network well you're not going to yeah. interview well so i think behind the scenes and i'm so glad that's why i was looking so forward to talking to you yeah. i'm so glad we talked because this to me what i really truly believe is you need to have your head in the game to mm -hmm. succeed and do well and if you don't it's just not going to work. And, it does, and I've seen it. I've seen it firsthand for years and years and years. If you go to an interview and you're angry and you're carrying around a grudge and you're carrying around those weights, like the hiring manager is going to look at you and I'm not going to hire this person. This guy is angry and I don't know. In today's day and age, he'll shoot up the plaque. No, yep. thank you. So yeah, so this is something that, you know, I, and I think for people of a certain generation too, like I'm a Gen X, so like Gen X and, 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 and you know, baby boomers particularly, they don't talk about this stuff at all. So it's so important to talk about this thing because if they don't, they're going to run around, just go about their business, being angry, saying, hey, I'm being discriminated because I'm you know, 55 years old. But no, it's not that. It's just you're coming in angry and bitter and resentful yeah. and they're freaked out. And no one wants, you know, they want to hire you because they feel mm -hmm. like you're going to be like an explode. And I'd rather get someone who's not going to explode and, you know, throttle me. So, yeah. so the, dude, so this is so important. I think, I think this is like a master class in a combination of career coaching, therapy, what to do, manifestations, affirmations, all that kind of good stuff. So I, I hope people watching appreciate it. And for folks who want to reach out to you and seek your advice, what, what's the best way of reaching you? Yes, of course, LinkedIn, Kyle Elliott, okay. with two L's and two T's, and then my website, caffeinatedkyle.com. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. I, did, I really appreciate it. I, th I think you're going to help a lot of people, myself included. So thanks for, for your wise, sage advice. And, uh, and yeah, I look forward to seeing your posts and, and, and you, you know, looking after people. So this is great. You're doing, you're doing wonderful work, and I appreciate Definitely. it. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Bye-bye.